To automatically get new episodes, you can subscribe on iTunes or Google Play. And don't forget to like us on Facebook at Health Stories Podcast. My, this wasn't my first experience with Reiki, but it was definitely probably the most um, powerful experience I had. Um, I was in the process of becoming a Reiki master. I had had my second um, level, and my during the course of time, my brother-in-law had tragically passed away, and I called my Reiki master and said, I need to have a session. I can't, um, I can't function. He was younger than all of us. He was the baby of the family and um, we all took it very hard in diff different ways. My husband shut down. I, uh, you know, was really looking for a way to move through the grief because I could not, I just couldn't. And so I remember going to see my Reiki master and he had me lay on the table and it was something that he had never done before. Um, the way he was, um, he was talking to me as he was moving his hands over me, but he actually was, um, instead of like hovering in it, not as a, uh, you know, Reiki's usually you feel the warmth and you know, it's, it's a more relaxing kind of experience, but this is, the first time where he was really more um, active in his approach to me and he was physically touching me and like moving his hand from like my shoulder blade off to my to my shoulder and it was like a, a, a quick brisk movement across and I just remember like crying hysterically <laughs> as he was as he was doing it was like he was literally pulling all that shit out of me as he was moving his hands across my back. And I, I do believe it really did help me to be able to um, function quicker than the rest of my family because it still left a scar on all of us and there were other things you know, that happened in anger and whatever from our relationship that evolved. But as far as the grief, that part, it, it definitely released a lot of that from that session. Welcome to Health Stories. These are real stories inside healthcare. This is a podcast where I interview clinicians and patients who have been through various experiences navigating our complex healthcare system. And we are here to offer you, the listener, insights and tips and touching stories to help you to navigate the system as well. I am very honored and pleased to welcome Katrina Fritz, who is a BSN and RN, uh, Master's in Organizational Leadership, but she's also a Flinders practitioner and trainer, and I'll ask you about that in a little bit and a Reiki master. So welcome to the program, Katrina. Thanks for having me. What were you feeling when you were describing that again? 
uh, I would say I was feeling the the moment. I mean, it definitely brought me back to feeling that level of being distraught and um, you know just uh, just the, the the difference of how he was approaching it and the, you know because I don't know if anyone else does this but like when I get a massage if so, something feels really particularly good I try to imagine what their hands are doing or what you know so that I could replicate it on someone else but just just that feeling of I don't know it just felt it felt like he was pushing and flicking pushing and flicking pushing and flicking it just felt like he wasn't touching you though oh no he was touching that's what I'm um, saying like he 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 normally would lay his hands on you and and it would just they would just stay there and get warm you know and that's what i do too when i put my hands so you'll actually feel my hands touching you but it's not like i'm rubbing you or you know doing any physical movement but he was actually like taking his hand and dragging it from the center of my spine and like pushing like it, it he was like literally pushing and then flicking stuff off and pushing and flicking and you could feel like in that moment it was like the sweeping movement and things just like coming up and out like just feeling I mean I like I said I we were talking and the next thing I know I was hysterically crying like it, it just and you know as we were as I was relaying I, I said to you I didn't think I would be that emotional but it it was it was a very cathartic experience as, when I was with him. As I watch your eyes swell up with tears, how would you compare this to a, a visit at your psychologist? It's not it's not comparable, really, to me. I I mean I've 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 gone to counseling. I've had very moving moments and but it's not a full it's it's a full body experience. I guess what I would say. Like, you know, you might talk about something that makes you feel emotional or whatever and you might cry or whatever, but it was it was like my whole entire being was being released. I I I have not really ever experienced anything since then that has been like that. Is that when you became uh, convinced of its powers, and is this when you were on board with uh, with Reiki? Uh, I it was definitely the most um, intense experience I had with Reiki. I really became on board with it when, or exposed to it, and intrigued by it when I went through a palliative medicine fellowship program and had been introduced to the concept and how it was utilized to really help patients who had complex chronic conditions that weren't really 
able to be cured, it was more to be palliative or for them to go into the hospice program and how it was utilized and embraced to alleviate suffering. And so for you in this moment, you were talking about how the Reiki practitioner moved his hand from your shoulder blade over your shoulder and you could feel the grief you were talking about yeah. sort of moving. Um, and for those of you listening uh, who weren't able to, to see the way that Katrina was sort of reenacting this, this movement with her hand, and it was, it was really beautiful, um, where you were feeling that, that movement through your body. Um, so what was, what was that like? I, I guess I'm, I'm, the question I really want to ask is, were you uh, a believer of Reiki as a form of complementary medicine before you had this experience? Yes. I, I mean, I was already being, I was already in the process of becoming a Reiki master when my brother-in-law had passed away. So it, it happened in between my level two and level three attunement was his passing. So I already believed in it. I had already had like massage with Reiki. That was after I had been exposed to it and, you know, was intrigued by it. I started learning more about it and my colleague at the time She's like, oh, you, you know, my massage therapist does this and we should go become attuned. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I have no idea what that means. Uh, but it was intriguing to me. And so it was just really, it's, 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 it's hard to describe exactly what it, what it feels like, but it was just very, if it felt like something was unlocked and opened within me when I was attuned. And so after that, things just kind of look different, feel different. You process things differently. It just was very opening and powerful. What's, what um, is, is interesting to me is the fact that you're practicing RN, is that correct? Yes. And you were at the time that you were being attuned to become a Reiki master. I, I wasn't working with patients at the time, but I was still within healthcare yeah. and using my clinical knowledge as a nurse. Okay, so not every clinician ends up becoming a Reiki master. <laughs> um, in fact, um, many, I, I would say that many are starting to, to see and believe in, in its benefits. Um, as a clinician, I'm, I'm curious how the story is that you went from being a practicing clinician and getting a, uh, your degree as an RN and, and getting your BSN, and then all of a sudden you're becoming a Reiki master. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got from clinical background to being interested in Reiki? Well, I, I think... Anyone who has been in medicine for any length of time would agree, or you know, my experience anyway, is that I had had, I had suffered for chronic neck and back issues for years. I had done everything that everyone had told me to do. I'd gone to physical therapy, I'd done this, I'd done that. I, you know, taken medicine, I, done my exercises but you know what it just never seemed to really fully take it away and 
I found it incredibly frustrating. And so I kept looking for other avenues. And when I learned about Reiki, that was definitely something that I was like, I want to, I want to learn more about that. Maybe that's something that could help. And it wasn't just Reiki. It was other complimentary medicine <laughs> things that helped me in the end with, you know, using a chiropractor and acu acupuncture and acupressure, like that really did unlock those issues for me and help me to be better. But, you know, and everyone is different and everyone responds to things differently, but I felt like there was more that it wasn't just Western medicine. There's a place for that. And the reason why it's called complementary medicine is because it complements it. it. There is, you need, in my opinion, you need both. You can't just ignore, you know, Western, Western medicine is very good at the acute, the physical, the, you know, but pain and suffering is about emotional and spiritual issues. You need both to actually treat the whole person. That's, you know, and as a nurse, we're trained to th look at a person holistically, which is the whole person. So to me, it seems like a very natural thing to incorporate both because it's like the thing that was missing. You know, the art of nursing is about talking to the patient and getting to know them and helping them really work through their issues as you're doing the physical things for them. But it's about the caring and the compassion. And those are the things that are often missing now because we're just working and focusing on the physical. And that's not enough, in my opinion. So you were a patient yourself of Reiki to be able to experience it and say, oh my gosh, this was very helpful. Mm -hmm. um, out of curiosity, were you getting other sort of traditional Western medical care at the time too? So were you seeing a psychologist, let's say, for example, or were you um, seeing a doctor? Were there, was Reiki the only thing you were getting or was it really sort of a combination of treatments? I think at that, at that particular moment, I was just using Reiki oh, okay. and um, for that, for that, mm -hmm. I mean, I saw a doctor for my normal doctor stuff and, you know, but as far as the, the grief, the grief part, I was, I was just pretty much using the treatments for that. Mm -hmm. And I went to a counseling group mm -hmm. like, for a grief support group, you know, so traditional things, but it definitely seemed that, you know, the two of those together seemed to really help. So I want to go back into the story of uh, what was actually happening when you were receiving Reiki. So for people who are listening who might be curious about it and actually haven't done it yet, tell us a little bit about what it looks like. Um, so when somebody is receiving Reiki, um, what, what might they see? What might they feel? Tell us a little bit about it. Well, that's an interesting question because it really is different for everyone. Every session is different for me. What I see, feel, hear, receive to help my client through it. Um, what they see, feel, hear is different depending on what they need, where they are at, what they are you know, open to experience in that moment. Um, 
But an example of a session would be that, you know, in a darkened room with, you know, music playing, you lay down, it's very relaxing. Like a massage maybe? Or? Well, so you don't actually, so this is the difference between Reiki and massage. Massage mm-hmm. is like directly working on muscle groups and touching, you know, Reiki is a laying on of hands or you can hover, depends. I, I put my hands on people, but I don't, it's not a massage. You'll feel like, uh, I mean, if you have a headache, you might actually feel cool energy passing through the hands or some people have felt like a tingling. Um, mostly it's just like kind of like a warm, relaxing energy feeling and you work over the, sh- the seven chakras and then other parts of the body. Uh, so touch, you know, the crown of your head, the top of your head, in between your eyes, over your throat, your heart, your solar plexus, which is like the area between your diaphragm and your belly button, your uh, sacral area, which is like in between your belly button and your pubic area, and your root chakra, which is... Uh, just on either side of your hips, it's actually, you know, that is actually your private area, but we don't touch there. So, uh, <laughs> you know, it just, it, it depends and you get kind of different messages or impressions. I'm not very visual, I t- tell that to Nicole all the time, but other people I know are very, you know, will get vivid, you know, colors or I, I usually only see purple that's for intuition because that's like my main thing but you know other people will see landscapes and all these i don't know that's not me everyone has their certain gift or their certain things that they receive but my clients might see that if they're a visual person they would see visual um messages or whatever uh but you know i more like get words or impressions or thoughts of something like so i i worked on this one client recently and all of a sudden this this impression of a lotus flower came into my head when I was working on her crown chakra and I said does that mean anything to you and she said yes it's it's my connection with my daughter and her daughter had come with her to the session so it was just it was it's interesting and you never know exactly what's going to happen but it's you know whatever is needed in that moment to heal the person. Well, not heal, but to to make them feel... So, when I say not heal, it's because the perspective is that we are whole and perfect. It's just to help us to remember that wholeness and that perfection. Not necessarily to heal us because there's nothing wrong with us. And that's the difference between Western and Eastern medicine. But. Um, oh, there's so much I want to say. So I'm going to go back and say, so it sounds like sort of the ambiance is like if you were in a spa, yes. right? there's music, it's a dark room. Yes. Um, the big difference, though, is you're not laying your hands on that person, although I have seen some people who might do that on your head or different parts. Um, but as you go through the seven chakras, and for those of you listening, it was fabulous watching Katrina. She was demonstrating all the seven chakras with her body. Um, but going through these different energy levels to be able to feel the energy of that individual. How long do these 
last? Is it like a massage where it can be 30 it, minutes, an hour, two hours? Yeah. It, I mean, a, a really quick mini session would be like 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. And, but most sessions are an hour. Yeah. And I uh, just read... Um, Oh, not too long ago about a healthcare system that offered Reiki that was now I don't know if it was covered by insurance I I, I have my doubts um, but it was a service that was actually provided by um, and there's some cars going by that you might hear uh, it was a service that was provided by a healthcare network um, and so it's interesting to see how there's I think perhaps more acceptance of it but also continued um, skepticism about something that's not quote-unquote traditional or yeah Western yeah it's hard I mean because my experience in healthcare currently is it has to be quantifiable we have to be able to show how much does this impact the bottom line and how can we measure success and measure performance and measure healing and it's not as linear as that so it's it's hard to quantify although to me the things that are hard to quantify are also the most valuable so is it true that you could uh, receive Reiki and not actually feel or see anything but still have Mm -hmm. an experience can you talk about that a little bit well I mean when when you're giving you know, I, so when I say giving, I'm not, it's not my own energy. I'm channeling universal energy, but when I'm channeling universal energy and sending it to someone, that, that energy is still going to them. They, they can choose to not receive it on, you know, a physical level and then it will go to somebody else, but they might not. So for example, my husband, who is not very, open to any of this stuff he would say would um you know he he knows even though he doesn't a believe in it and b (laughs) b does not like when i talk about it he knows when i when i'm laying my hands on him that he is getting reiki because he's like i got that that reiki feeling like so (laughs) you know you still do you might, you know, even if somebody is not as receptive, they still do get something on some level. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be that you feel all warm and tingly or, you know, that you're getting this vision thing. Sometimes it's just, sometimes it's just about like a, a feeling of peace or relaxation. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if the person is really, you know, not sleeping or, you know, high strung or whatever, the the effect of Reiki might just be that they fall asleep on the table. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it doesn't mean that it has to be this huge, you know, the heavens are parting moment. It's just whatever is needed in that moment. So what do people come for, uh, receive Reiki for? Uh, chronic pain. Uh, just a sense of feeling like there's something else that they they want to experience that they're curious that 
you know, that they're struggling with something emotionally. Uh, it, it come for any reason. I mean, you can use it for anything. So they come for different reasons. Yeah, for any reasons. I mean, you can come for anything, really. It's just, you know, whatever you feel called to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you had talked about different types of complementary medicine. Can you explain a little bit some of the other ones? I'm, I'm most curious about Flinders. You're a practitioner and a trainer. So. Flinders is, we, we call it Flinders, it's a chronic condition management program. It was developed in Australia. A lot of things in Australia are named Flinders. So it was a, he was an explorer. Flinders was an explorer. And so a lot of things in Australia were named after him and one was Flinders University which developed this, this program. But it's different in the sense of it it really approaches chronic conditions in a holistic manner and walks people through this interview process and dialogue where they, we meet them where the person is at and really find out what they are willing to do and what they're willing to work on to help manage their chronic condition. And it's not about what I think you should do. So I think, you know, maybe as, as a nurse, I would say, you know, you really, should stop smoking, you really should eat healthier, you really should exercise you know, 30 minutes a day. Which many people hear this, right? You're overweight, you mm -hmm. shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that. I had a woman, I was at a community talk, and I don't mean to interrupt you, yeah. but it just, it just made me think where she said her physician said, well, I'm sorry, you're, you're old um, and you're overweight, and there's nothing we can do. Mm. Uh, and so I hear this from people that that's really chronic, depressing. yeah, that frustration of, um, well, you, you need to lose weight, you need to stop smoking, you need to change your diet. And so they're, they're kind of thrown a litany of things that they should change about themselves. This sounds like a very different yeah. approach. So it is because, you know, even though all those things that our doctors say to us that, you know, I'm a nurse, I still don't like hearing it from my own doctor that I should do X, Y, and Z. Even those, though those things are true, it might not be true for us in that moment. And what Flinders allows us to do is really to talk about things that maybe we never talked about with our physician. It takes the time to, you know, what is, how does your chronic condition impact you physically? You know, so I can no longer walk them down the stairs, but how does that actually impact you then emotionally? You know, maybe you, played bridge with your best friend upstairs and now you can't walk up to her apartment. So now you no longer have that emotional and social support that you used to have. So how is that illness actually impacting you in all aspects of your life? And really talk about it and how if we could change one aspect of that and what aspect would you want to work on? So it might have nothing to do with your hemoglobin A1C it's, you know, how much blood, how high have your blood sugars been over a course of time is what that lab test measures. It, it might not be so much about what your lab results show to you that impacts you so much as how is it actually impacting your everyday life and things that you no longer do that you used to enjoy because of this. 
and how can we work on things that maybe you're not going to be able to walk upstairs, but you didn't even think about the fact that you could ask your friend to come and meet you in another spot and how much you actually miss that and how if you actually do something that you enjoy, that that might actually impact the other lab, you know, the lab results because you're actually living your life fully again. And that's really the point that I think gets missed often. Um, and it's just about a dialogue and to get to the root cause of what's, what is really causing you pain and suffering. Sounds very much like, a, again, the holistic view of the patient, of yeah. the person. Um, also getting at underlying causes and reasons for the way that the person is living their life and um, really trying to understand them. So very patient-centered care. Yes, that's it. It's all about the, it is all about the client. There is not, it is not about me. It's not anything that I intend to get from that interview. It's, it's just about helping that person explore things about themselves. I mean, I'm not a therapist. I'm not a counselor. It's, it feels very therapeutic to be listened to, which is something that we don't experience on a regular basis. And, you know, because of who I am and my background, you know, my sessions, like a Reiki session might look more like a matched, a mashed up like nursing flinders Reiki because you know you treat the whole person. I'm the whole person coming to treat you. So you get whatever it is that you need in that moment. That if I have a skill that I can share, you're going to get it. So you know, and that's what it's about. It's about being whole and present in the moment, doing whatever it is that you're doing. So I want to get to the clinical part because you just alluded to a question I've been uh, wanting to ask you about bringing all these components in. So you said when you treat, you get the nursing component, you get the Reiki component, you get Flinders. So do you use complementary medicine in your everyday practice as a registered nurse? My employers do know, the people who hired me do know my background and what I do. And there are nurses and patients that I have interacted with that are aware of what I do and have asked me to do that when I'm at work. So do people ask for it? That's the one I'm really curious. You're a registered nurse and do people ask for complementary medicine? How often do you see that? Uh, so I, my current role is as a nursing supervisor, so I don't necessarily interact with patients except when there's a grievance or I'm answering a call bell. Uh, the nurses ask for it. Oh, okay. The nurses who know that I do it ask for it. For themselves? For themselves. The patients. Oh, okay. For themselves, because this is the thing. We have to take care of ourselves. And I, I mean, honestly, I feel like at this point in my life, I, I want to make sure that caregivers understand that we need to take care of ourselves and if we don't take care of ourselves we can't take care of patients a theme we've heard before on this podcast the caregiver physician syndrome yes taking care of others before taking care of yourself so the your fellow colleagues are the one yes. we're asking for I'm yes. interested. but there there are patients that i've encountered that one one person did ask me to get them reiki oh interesting yeah. now you don't bill for that correct no. Yeah. No. Okay. So you're basically providing a service 
in that context, that's free. Yes. Um, when you're outside of your paid position, do you offer Reiki? Yes. And is that Adult, paid? yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so. Yes, so I, I do Flinders interviews and I do Reiki as my own practice. Yes. So I want to switch gears and talk about um, two things. So our, our listeners, the feedback we've gotten is they really appreciate um, tips for things that we can ask and things that we can do, but also the clinical side as well. So I want to start with the um, other clinicians who are out there listening, um, for those who may already be on board uh, using complementary medicine, but for those who don't, um, how can you, or what are some things that you say to other people I guess we could go back to the actual situation where you you came on board and told people, hey, just want you to know, I'm a Reiki master. What kind of conversation did you have, and what were the reactions of the people to this to this work? Oh, that was very that was very interesting because, you know, when I first became a Reiki master in 2009, it really was not. I didn't talk to people about it. I didn't tell anyone about it. I didn't usually except on family and friends and even the family not really mostly friends because my family didn't understand it they thought I was gonna go to hell and uh, which is so not true but you know they've come around uh, <laughs> you know it, it just it was it was surprising to me it was pleasantly surprising to me that they were interested in it I mean it actually was a your colleagues, you're talking. My colleagues, yeah. I it was, it was actually like a big leap of courage for me, leap of faith to put it on, but, you know, I had lost my position at a previous place. That was what I was doing for six months before I got this next job. I, I, I mean, I felt like I had to be honest and transparent at that point, saying, "Look, this is what who I am. You, this is who you're hiring." And you're a Reiki master. And I'm a Reiki master. I'm a Flinders practitioner and trainer. That that is who I am. And they were very intrigued by it and very open and receptive to it, which I found very refreshing and hopeful mm-hmm. and exciting. So I, it, things have definitely changed over the last nine years. But they're not paying you for that service. See, you know what I mean? No. So I'm still wondering. And about I'm not that expected part. to do it at work. Oh, they're okay. just aware that. Okay. Like, but you can't stop who you are. Mm-hmm. So. It's one of the arguments I've heard from people who do th- different complementary medicine therapies is this. Um, recognition that the work that they're doing has just as much value and legitimacy as Western medicine and yet you don't get reimbursed for it necessarily although again this article I read about from this pretty prolific healthcare network that was offering Reiki and Mm -hmm. other other institutions that do that as well for people listening I'm sure you're familiar um, with harp therapy and acupuncture treatments that are offered um, as a paid service yeah this is something that you feel um, called to do and and help out but not necessarily get reimbursed at your position yeah because that's not the role the role that i'm in is not that is not part of the role it's just kind of like adding some extra enhancement special sauce yeah do you think you ever will get paid do you see that down the 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 line in in healthcare like in a healthcare setting yep 
I know there are roles. There are Reiki practitioner roles where I mean, usually though, um, they do. It's usually massage and Reiki currently. Right. I don't know if it will be. Do you just see Reiki? Yeah, but do you see it? So my understanding is that complementary medicine is often in addition to. It's a separate service. Do you ever see it woven into traditional medicine where somebody who is being seen by the ED physician and given their oxycodone, you then have a Reiki master who comes in and is treating the person in the ED at the same time? Anything's possible. Anything's possible. We, we could do that. We can do whatever we want to do. Mm -hmm. I don't... I don't know. I, this opioid epidemic... You know, I I feel very strongly that Reiki is something that could really really help Reiki flinders like all the things that I that I do I think would be valuable, invaluable to the process. But you know, I'm hopeful that if we pay attention to it, that maybe that will actually happen, Nicole. That complementary medicine will be truly complementary yeah. in all aspects. Yeah. So for those who are listening, um, for the rest of us that's, and, and clinicians too who are patients, because everybody's a patient at some point in their lives, what um, words of wisdom, advice would you give um, about complementary medicine for those who may be skeptical of it, for those who are still considering it, and for those who have tried it? Well, for those who have tried it, you know the benefits of it. Uh, you know, just keep, just keep doing what works for you. Uh, and if it doesn't work for you, seek out another therapy that would. Because there's so many different things out there that could be utilized. And it's just a, a matter of like searching and keep searching until you find the thing that works. Uh, you want to, you know, word of mouth is good as far as, you know, if you're concern that it might be somebody that isn't on the up and up or you're you're skeptical about them being a charlatan or you know whatever I'm sure that I'm sure that's that that is a concern you know when traditional medicine you know I I graduated from a college I took my boards you know there's a, a specific process that we go through in a way of showing that we we earn this this right to tell you or treat you or whatever you know and complementary medicine is slightly different although you know an acupuncturist goes through lots and lots and lots of training maybe even more training than i did as a nurse to some extent uh you know but just look for look for people that appear to know what they're doing and you know trust your gut if you walk into, if you walk into a place and it doesn't feel right, then it's not right. It's not. It might not be anything about them. It's just not the right place for you, or not, not the right moment for you. You, you just, you are the person who's guiding this experience for you, and you need to trust in yourself, and that is the most important thing. What about our? Um, I don't want to say skeptics. Uh, but how about for pre-contemplative people who aren't yet sure about its benefits and, and don't necessarily know how to start or what to ask or like for you, what were those turning points where you 
started to, to understand for yourself and see the benefits? Well, pre-contemplative. I mean, that's... Maybe contemplative. Contemplative. Yeah, yeah. I was, uh, and just, maybe that's too... Yeah, because, I mean, you'd have to be exposed to something and then maybe something else might happen to you that would make you then contemplate doing it. But if you're contemplative, you know, be curious, ask questions, you know, put, you know, put in the Google search, what can I do for chronic pain? Or what can I, you know, what is alternative medicine or complementary medicine? Just, just research it. You know, ask your friends, have you ever done anything like Reiki? What is that like? What, what was your experience? And the biggest thing is though, you ask, but just because somebody else might then say, ah, it's a bunch of hooey, doesn't mean that it is a bunch of hooey for you. It just means that it was a bunch of hooey for them. So if you, if you feel drawn to something or curious about something, that usually that is something you're supposed to pursue. So even if you, you find somebody that didn't necessarily get anything from it, that doesn't mean that it's the wrong thing for you. You just have to explore and keep being open and curious and ask questions of people. Yeah. And it sounds like for you, it was having had that actual experience. It's one thing to learn about it, but when you finally actually go through yeah. it to say, oh, okay, I, I see this. Or, or that was interesting. It didn't do much, but I'll try it again. Yeah. Um, I, I have heard from people's personal um, stories it's often that point of desperation, though, that brings them to complementary medicine. Yes. I've tried everything. Yes. Um, the doctor has said, there's nothing more we can do for your pain. I don't know what else there is. And then it's somebody who says, hey, have you tried mm -hmm. complementary medicine? The biggest um, argument, though, is, well, I think the thought is that complementary medicine is replacing. And I, I was wondering if you could end... Um, by talking about um, how complementary medicine is truly complementary, given that you, with your clinical background and what you've seen and experienced. Oh yeah, well you can see me shaking my head at Nicole, but no, it doesn't replace it. I, I really don't believe that that is, as I said before about being holistic, it, it's like cutting your physical body out of the equation if you would just do complementary medicine as we know it, as we experience it, you, you know, if you're in a car accident, you're bleeding out, complementary medicine may, may help you experience less anxiety or whatever in that moment, but it's not gonna stop you from hemorrhaging. Like, you need both. Like, it's not, like, I think what would be good is to have it entered into the process earlier that it would be part of the process. So, so think about somebody who is in a motor vehicle accident, has pelvic, uh, you know, pelvic injuries, they broke their legs, they're looking at a long extensive rehab thing, they may, you know, all these, in nursing school we always had these things about body image on our care plans, you know, like there are emotional, psychological things that go on with them. And, you know, they would have them talk to a psychologist probably as part of their care plan. There's you know, nutrition and all those things. It should be incorporated into the professional plan 
to have complementary medicine because the things that we can do in Western medicine aren't don't touch everything that is going to happen to that person's experience in their recovery process. So it it should be in conjunction, not to take away, but to add, to enhance, to you know to make it a whole complement. That's what it is. Holistic approach. Person. Yeah. Okay. Thank you so much, Katrina, for joining us today. Um, cannot thank you enough for your insights and wisdom, um, being both in both worlds, being in Western medicine as an RN, and also uh, being a Reiki master and a Flinders practitioner and trainer in uh, complementary medicine. So thank you for joining us. Thank you, Nicole. This is Health Stories.